This is a Pele Media Podcast. Welcome back to Jurassic Park Minute. Jurassic Park Minute is the fan podcast that chronicles and overanalyzes the classic 1993 film Jurassic Park Minute by Minute. I'm Kyle. I'm Brady. And today we're here to bring you Minute number 46 of Jurassic Park. Brady, we're rocketing through this movie. We're, uh... We are. I don't we are. actually know how far we are through it, but I think we're getting pretty close to the halfway point. I think we have a little bit longer to go, but... Uh, it doesn't feel like it's been that long that we've been doing this. No, it never does. I mean, time flies when you're having fun. It it does. And this movie has been a lot of fun and I think I've grown a new appreciation for it. I definitely feel that way after we finished our last movie, Ghostbusters Minute. And, you know, I don't know what we're moving on to, uh, you and I after this one, uh, but, uh, it's going to, I think it's going to maybe try to find something that we can really do a lot of digging on. Maybe something I didn't fully appreciate before. Uh, but it's definitely opened up my eyes on a lot of things going on in Jurassic Park and just why this movie does work. You know, we've mentioned before, there's a lot of like flubs i think there's actually a, i mean i don't know that anybody would catch it but the goat has been uh, du- overdubbed with the sound of a sheep <laughs> in this minute huh. uh but uh you know there's a few little inconsistencies that go on and we you and i said that we didn't really think that hurt the film that much because it rockets on at such a good pace watching this movie minute by minute i really started to grow a new appreciation for the script do you feel that you've done the same yeah absolutely i really have um i remember at one point thinking that this movie had some uh you know, some problems in its writing, which it does, and every movie does. Well, it's not perfect, no. No, it's not perfect, but uh, th- those things, just like the flubs you're talking about, are just so outweighed by everything else the movie has going on, that yeah. for someone to sit around and just criticize the movie for that means, go watch another movie. Man. They're, they're, they're minuscule things, you know, and I think actually watching these minute by minute, you really get a deeper appreciation for the actual craft of filmmaking for any movie. You know, oh, yeah. I've heard a lot of people say that on paper, any movie can work. Any movie could be a brilliant movie. It's like, The Shining is one of my favorite movies of all time yeah but if i actually read the shining as a, as a screenplay i'd probably be like this is a piece of crap it's, there's nothing yeah. going on the characters aren't saying anything deep but you give it to a master filmmaker like stanley kubrick who's able to craft this like hypnotic uh you know like dreamlike uh film that you know to go along with this script that was just kind of bare bones for the most part it just it turns it into something else so you know jurassic park is one that has a script that uh, it's fine, you know. It definitely is like it's serviceable. It makes sense. There's no like real big logical gaps when you're when you're uh, re- you know if you were to read it. But the way Steven Spielberg shot it with the pacing that he did, uh, it just moves along so well, and you're so invested in the action that's going on in the last half of the movie. It, it's just I I I, th- I think it it. I'm growing an appreciation for it beyond just the visceral feeling of it's fun to watch. Yeah, you know? and, and even still, I mean, there's been more than just the visceral fun for me in having watched this movie. I do see things that are deeper in the movie, and in doing this, I am seeing even more. And, you know, that's yeah. one, of the beauties of, uh, one of the beauties of Movies by Minutes is that, you know, you're, you're going to see whichever movie you're hearing about on a different level. Uh, yeah. I think for the better. Yeah. And in all my experience with all the shows that I've listened to in this format, uh, each and every one of those movies, I... I feel like I enjoy more and understand more because of it. And if you're ready, we can go ahead and get into minute number 46. Let's do it. Let's do it. In the previous minute, we saw the tour group watching the Tyrannosaurus Rex cage for any sign of the beast. As the minute ended, we saw a goat being raised into the paddock in order to tempt the T-Rex to come out of hiding. At minute number 46, Lex sees the goat being raised into the T-Rex's cage. She asks what is going to happen to the goat. At 46.10, Lex asks Gennaro if the T-Rex is going to eat the goat. Tim says, excellent. At 46.12, Gennaro asks Lex if she doesn't eat lamb chops. She tells him that she's a vegetarian. At 46.28, Grant says that the T-Rex doesn't want to be fed. He wants to hunt. Grant says that you can't just suppress 65 million years of gut instinct. At 46.38, the goat bleats, gets bored, 
and just sits down. Everyone gets disappointed and sits back in their cars as well. At 46.50, we cut to a shot of John Hammond watching the tour group on a monitor inside of the control room. And thus ends minute number 46 of Jurassic Park. So there is really not a lot going on in this minute. Uh, so other than the fact it's more pacing and setup for kind of the gag we see coming later with the goat to add to that shock. The star of this minute is the goat and just kind of the fact that everybody's sitting around getting deflated over the fact that no T-Rex is running out of the jungle and screaming at him or, you know, roaring yeah. at him. So it's, uh, it's strange that in this action movie that was sold on, you know, freaking dinosaurs chasing people. You are getting so many extended moments of just silence and yeah. stillness, and this is the best example in the movie. And it's all build up. It's all build up for you. Know, we're feeling what these characters are feeling. These are guys, scientists who spent their, you know, uh, Ellie and Grant spent their entire lives studying and obsessing over dinosaurs. They're about to see the Tyrannosaurus Rex, one that we know that they're excited about seeing because Grant collapses earlier when he hears they have a T Rex, yeah. and uh, we don't get to see it. So we kind of feel their disappointment with them, and it's all masterful diversion tactic from Steven Spielberg to to subvert our expectations for what we're about to see. He's not going to show us the Tyrannosaurus Rex now. He's too smart. He's going to show us in the dead of night when lightning and thunder and rain are coming down. Sorry, that was me. Uh, <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, he's... he's ready to get the setting going, you know, of the, of the rainstorm that comes in later. So it's all yep. about atmosphere. If this thing was to show up in the beautiful, lush jungles of Hawaii at this point, uh, we probably would not appreciate the CG and the puppetry that Stan Winston Studios built as much as if it was cloaked in darkness for a bit. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, Tyrannosaurus Rex was a pretty amazing creature that, uh, man, if they were cloning my, I, I really would love to see a Tyrannosaurus Rex move around before God. I die. On my deathbed, please. Somebody, <laughs> if I could be fed to a Tyrannosaurus Rex and that's how I go, if I'm like, yes, feed me that would be the way to go so um but uh we kind of researched a little bit about the tyrannosaurus rex it was found on the continent of Lauramidia. do you That's know what true. that is yeah it was the island that is now north america yeah so that actually was a sliver of the united states of america california uh up to oregon and see washington uh, that part of the united states was actually its own island at that point uh, point, uh, ugh, at that point, which was separated from Appalachia, which would be like, you know, West Virginia, Pennsylvania, New York, that area, yeah. uh, by something called the Western Interior Seaway and the Hudson Seaway. So uh, Texas, Colorado, our state, Louisiana, Florida, those were all covered in a seaway, which split the United States in half. But on Laramidia, you could find the Tyrannosaurus Rex, correct? Uh, correct. Yes, you could. Yeah, so, you know, there's not a whole lot going on in this minute, obviously, so we're just going to kind of go into T-Rex. I mean, we're in his paddock, so... Uh, T-Rex is short for Tyrannosaurus Rex, Tyrannosaurus Rex, which comes from the Latin origins Tyrannosaurus, Tyrant, and Rex King. Like you said, it's most commonly found in Laramidia, which is now North America, and it's found in rock formations dating to the Cretaceous period, which is about 66 to 68 million years ago, roughly, and uh, it's one of the last known, excuse me, it's one of the last non-avian birds. Uh, it stretched from, get this, 40 feet in length. Jeez. 40 feet in length. That's uh-huh. that's longer than the place that we're in, the building we're in right now. Yeah. Uh, it's, it came to about 12 feet tall at the hips, and it weighed 10 tons. So 12 feet at the hips, I think that's kind of how you, uh, the height of a horse, is you go like to shoulder or hip, and you actually use your hands to do that, I Something think. Something like that? So, yeah, so we're talking like at the, at the, at the, where the tail hits the hip, that is the highest point at 12 feet. So the head is obviously lower than that. So when this thing's probably... Right chasing you down its head is probably very low to the ground which is going to make it easier for and so know. much more fright yeah to, <laughs> yeah, to gobble to you up you. yeah can you imagine yeah. it just like low to the ground like that it's which, so oh, which is funny because when i found out 12 feet and that's that's not including like uh, layers of skin which are probably pretty thick yeah um so whenever 
I, f- I found out that it wasn't quite as tall as, as I would always thought. I would always have thought closer to like 20 feet or something. I don't yeah. know. That's just where your imagination yeah. goes. Uh, it is so much more terrifying to be only 12 feet tall and its head to be lower to the ground. And it's hard so. sometimes to unpack numbers like that and really think about how frightening that is. Because you and I live in an area where it's not completely entirely uncommon to see an alligator every now and right, then. Right, yeah. And even the smallest alligator... Uh, that we see, it, it, they're still pretty scary. Yeah. They're still frightening. They're not something, that, even when they're just kind of laying on a golf course, not doing much of anything, uh, they could very easily get up on all fours and come after you oh, pretty have quick. Have you seen an alligator run? It's very Ooh. disturbing. Yeah, it's a lot faster than I could run because half the time I'd yeah. be screaming and crying, uh, you know, running with tears in my eyes and tripping to a sand trap and then, you know, alligator food. You know, that, that old story. There you go. That old chestnut. But um, even at the... Uh, six inches, seven inches, a foot off the ground that they are sometimes, it's still a frightening thing. So yeah. I can't imagine, like, just thinking about that multiplied by 12, you know, like, that's a big animal coming and at you. scary enough on its own would be something that we we don't know. I mean, we can envision what T-Rex looks like because we get the skeleton, you know, we've got uh, artist renditions of what it probably looked like, but we don't know what it sounded like. Yeah. And its roar alone would probably make me want to do like you did, and that's just fall into a sand pit at a golf course and start throwing <laughs> golf balls at it, because <laughs> yeah. that would get it. Yeah. Uh, um, but they did such a great job in this movie, though, with the reproduction of the sound from the T-Rex. I totally buy yeah. it. That's probably what it sounded like. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so some other theropods may have exceeded him in size, but Tyrannosaurus Rex still maintains the heaviest bite force of any animal to have ever existed. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That's crazy. So think about, like, you know... The shark from Jaws, uh, and yeah. then, you know, his bite uh, on, a, on a giant turkey chasing you down. And then one of those alligators on the golf course. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so that's pretty crazy. I have a little bit of information real quick on the shooting location of this. This is okay. actually uh, right next to what they call Blue Hole in Hawaii, which is a water-filled canyon uh, on site which the T-Rex paddock was constructed. And I'm getting that from movie-locations.com. Uh, and a little bit of information on uh, Blue Hole. That is in Wa'alele, Hawaii. Uh, and it is, it sounds like a beautiful, lush green forest with uh, waterfalls everywhere, but it is also an extremely difficult hike that they do not recommend to people uh, if, unless they're a very experienced hiker to try to go up there, which this sounds like is probably a pretty treacherous location to shoot at. Yeah. But they're saying if you, it's very possible for you to get up there and then the, a strong rain come along and wash a lot of that area out. So they're like, do not go if it looks yeah. like it's going to rain. Uh but it, this was constructed, this set was constructed just for these exterior shots uh, right here that we're seeing. After this, we don't go back to the T-Rex paddock. Uh, the other shots were done in the Warner Brothers lot because it was too big for Universal. So all the nighttime shots where the T-Rex actually comes out, that's all actually on a back lot in Warner yeah. Brothers. Yeah. Which is funny because they wanted more control for their T-Rex, animatronic T-Rex, and yet the fake rain, they didn't take into account that the like you know material they used for the skin was going to soak up the water. Yeah. And we'll get to that later. Uh, we'll also probably get back to information about T-Rex as we move along. Yeah, we'll probably talk a lot about a lot of dinosaurs on this show. And that's cool, because that's where we're here. Yeah. Right. And that's and probably why people are listening. So. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, you were talking about um, people hiking up to the spot. There's a lot of like tours you can do yeah. in Hawaii that are Jurassic Park specific. And they'll take you to the locations. And some of them do say, if you aren't a professional hiker, don't bother going. Some yeah. of them are like, you can... Only access it by car because your your body isn't going to be able to go that far. So yeah. you just have to imagine how these filmmakers lugged all their equipment up there. And uh, 
God. What I mean, I imagine was. some of it would probably get, uh, you know, helicopter lifted. Now, I do know that there was, I don't know if it's this scene, but you know, at the very end of this minute, it starts raining on the explorers, right? Well, there were a few shots in this movie where storms would come along out of nowhere and uh, everybody on set had to pick up stuff and run. In fact, I know yeah. because a friend of mine met Kathleen Kennedy one time and was talking to her at a party, did not realize who she was what? at the time. And I think he kind of blew her off a little bit. Uh, but she was talking, She he asked her, he, he asked her like, so what movies have you worked on? And she was like, oh, you know, I... <laughs> It's like Kathleen Kennedy. Uh, what movies have you worked on? Yeah. And she was like, uh, you know, because she's apparently a very nice person. Yeah, she and seems she like it. she was like, well, you know, I, I worked on Jurassic Park. Have you heard of that one? And he was like, oh, okay, that's cool. What you what you do on? And she's like, well, uh, one time I had to carry uh, you know cameras down a hill in the middle of a storm. So he's thinking she's like some like uh, older production assistant or something like that. Not thinking she's the producer of ET. You know, she's the producer the- of Star Wars. She basically. is the uh, director of Lucasfilm, like the headest of head honchos yeah. in Hollywood. And this guy's kind of like kind of left in the middle of the story, but 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 this, the story is that one of these storms came along, and they had to basically everybody on set had to pick up stuff and run with it. So Kathleen Kennedy, billionaire movie producer, produced The Force Awakens and the Rogue One, uh, which just opened to some huge numbers over the That's weekend. Right. And we'll get into that at some other point, but uh, is running down with like cases of film and stuff like that. So yeah, uh, it's a crazy story, but that's movie making in a nutshell. Sometimes you uh, are a billionaire producer, and you have to pick up and run with a bunch of lights. I mean, so I would get so it's your money. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, that's pretty much all I've got for this minute. You got anything else? That's me too. All right, awesome, folks. We're going to get out of here. We'll be back tomorrow with minute number 47. I'm Kyle. I'm Brady. And until next time, hold on to your butts. Jurassic Park Minute is a fan-supported podcast. If you like the podcast, then leave us a review on iTunes. You can contact us at JurassicParkMinute at gmail.com and visit us online at JurassicParkMinute.com. Facebook.com slash Jurassic Park Minute and Twitter.com slash Jurassic Minute. You've been listening to a Pele Media podcast. For premium content and exclusive podcasts, visit us at Patreon.com slash Pele Media. Check us out on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Pele Media and follow us on Twitter at Twitter.com slash Pele Media. Yeah.